Last week, we introduced a new series, a mini-series compared to our last one, on the intercession of Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary. And the question that we start off with was, what does that even mean? What does it mean for Jesus to intercede on our behalf or to be an advocate for us? There's a lot of different theories out there of what that actually means. There can be a lot of negativity towards what this actually means. And so today, we want to continue in in this and to make sure that we have a good understanding of what the Bible says about Jesus as our intercessor. Remember last year, or last year, huh, last week, we learned that Jesus alone is our mediator. Only Jesus can intercede on our behalf. And remember, we talked a little bit about mediation, and a very popular way of looking at mediation is when you have two angry people that are so mad at each other they can't even talk anymore. And so what do they do? They bring in a mediator, and the mediator comes in, and his goal is trying to make those two people happy enough to where they can come back again. But this is a really flawed biblical meaning of mediation. This may be how we see mediation, but this is not the way the Bible sees mediation. Remember, if you go down this road, you would then be saying that God is always angry at the humans and Jesus is doing everything he can to make God less angry at humans. But we learned that through scripture, that is not the case. We learned that the biblical definition is much different. Jesus does not have to beg. Jesus does not need to change the attitude of God towards us. He loves us. That's why he sent his son. And Jesus is reconciling us to God, not God to us. Remember, I, I share with you this, this quote, my favorite quote out of Steps of Christ. If you give yourself to him and accept him as your savior, then sinful as your life may have been, for his sake you are accounted what? Righteous. Christ's character stands in place of your character, and if you are accepted before God just as if you had not sinned. This is beautiful. This is what Jesus does on our behalf. So we ask the question, what does the intercessory ministry of Jesus really mean? Today we're going to look at four different parts or areas of what it means for Jesus to intercede in the heavenly sanctuary. Father, as we open up your word, as we spend some time in it learning about these texts and about what your word says, we pray that your spirit would open our hearts and our mind, our ears, to see what it is that you want for us to see, that we would recognize the great gift of intercession, that it's not anything to be afraid of, but something to rejoice over. I pray that you'd speak through me, that you would anoint my lips on my mind, that the words that I speak would be from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we got to get a little bit geeky here for a second because we have to look a little bit of some of the, lingui the, the language behind it, the linguistic background of, of some of these words, all right? So to intercede in, in Hebrew means to meet, which seems a little weird, if you think about it, why in the world would the word that Jesus is always using or the Bible is using is to meet? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but even when you get into 
the Greek. It means to meet or to discuss or to encounter. I, I think that it's interesting that the word for Jesus to be interceding means to meet. What, is it, what does that mean? Who is he meeting with? What, what are they meeting about? Another verse I think is important that we see, which calls Jesus our advocate in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have what? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So Jesus is the righteous one meeting with the Father as an advocate just in case we sin. I think that's, that's encouraging because it doesn't say when you sin. It says if you sin. In other words, what you've got to understand that as John is writing this, he's thinking the same way that Paul is, that when you are set free from this power, why would you go back? Why would you want to go back into a life in bondage when you could have a life set free? But he also knows that we can be really stubborn sometimes and we can make some really selfish choices sometimes. So if we do go back to that lifestyle, one of the things that I love about it is that Jesus is always our advocate to bring us back. Amen. He's always working on bringing us back. But, so what does that word advocate mean? Well, you may have heard this, this word parakletos, which means one who is called to help. Now, if you think about this, I think this is a really cool thing. Ultimately, what you have is that Jesus is meeting and he's been called to help. He's our advocate and our intercessor. So what does this mean? It means that Jesus meets with the heavenly father in order to help us. Can we just stop there for a second? Jesus meets with the heavenly father in order to what? To help us. Jesus interceding on our behalf is Jesus helping us. He's helping us in our everyday struggles with ourselves, with our selfishness, with our self-centeredness, with temptations, with problems and evil, and to serve others with love. Jesus is, is out to not, see, this is what is interesting is because oftentimes when we think about Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary, that we're constantly thinking that Jesus is looking for who he can punish, or even God is looking for who he can punish. And so there's this scary judgment thing happening even in the heavenly sanctuary. But in reality, what Jesus is doing is he's doing everything he can to help us in our everyday life. Isn't that beautiful? So he's helping us with when you are tempted, Jesus is there to help you. When you are feeling selfish, Jesus is there to help you. All of these things, Jesus is there to help you. He's meeting with the Father. And what ultimately, you have to think about this, they are combining forces to help you and to help me in life. The first tangible result of the meeting between the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ on our behalf was that the Holy Spirit was given to believers. Do you remember that? In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Jesus sends a heavenly helper. 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Remember, this was, they were there to wait. They were waiting on the Spirit. And as they were waiting, God filled them with the Spirit. And this wasn't just nonsense talk. This was them sharing the gospel message. And they were speaking in their own native tongue, and others were hearing it in their native tongue. It's just a beautiful, you can imagine, that because you keep reading the story there, I always look at this because people will always ask about the speaking in tongues and things along this line. Well, what was the purpose of it? The purpose was to share the good news that Jesus is alive and that Jesus was coming again. And so this was all about sharing and helping. So Jesus met with the Father. They send the Holy Spirit in order to help. All of heaven, this is the main point that we need to recognize. All of heaven is united to help us in our struggles with sin, Satan, and temptations. All of heaven. You have every resource from heaven in your everyday life to help. You know why this is so important? It's because most of the time, you and I try to do this on our own strength. We feel like we've got to get our act together in order for God to be pleased with us. But understanding that God already loves you and he's helping you get your act in order. It's not about you trying to get acceptance from God. He's already accepted you, so let him live in you and through you. You have all of heaven helping. I have all of heaven helping. We just need to rely solely on God to help us in our everyday walk. That's why when we wake up in the morning, we don't try to say, all right, today I've got to get this fixed in my life and I've got to get this fixed in my life and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. Instead, you turn it around to the Lord and you say, Lord, how would you have me live this life for you today? You are my God. You are my creator. You are my redeemer. How would you have me live today? How could I share your goodness and your mercy with others? How could I be an example of your kingdom to other people? You know, maybe, maybe for some of you, you have to be really strict and you have to go through that regimen and you've got to go through all that. That's fine. It's okay. But recognize where it's all rooted from and where it's coming from. It comes from Jesus. He is there to help us every single step of the way. Look at this. This quote, this is out of our Adventist commentary. I think is, is just a really good, it's long, but we'll break it down. We'll make sure that we all get it. Christ our mediator and the Holy Spirit are constantly interceding in man's behalf. But the Spirit pleads not for us as does Christ who presents his blood shed from the foundation of the world. The Spirit works upon our hearts, drawing out prayers and penitence, praise and thanksgiving. The gratitude which flows from our lips is the result of the Spirit striking the chords of the soul in holy memories, awakening the music of the heart. The religious services, this, this is the main point, the religious services, the prayers, the praise, the penitent confession of sin, a sin from true believers as incense to the heavenly sanctuary. But passing through the corrupt channels of humanity, they are so defiled that unless purified by blood, they can never be of value with God. 
They ascend not in spotless purity. And unless the intercessor who is at God's right hand presents and purifies all by his righteousness, it is not acceptable to God. All incense from the earthly tabernacles must be moist with the cleansing drops of the blood of Christ. And that's what they did every day. They would take the blood into the heavenly sanctuary and they'd sprinkle it on that, that incense and it would, it would rise up. And it was a mixture of the blood and the incense. He holds before the Father the censer of his own merits. This is Jesus, in which there is no taint of earthly corruption. He gathers into his, this censer the prayers, the praise, and the confessions of his people. And with these, he puts his own spotless righteousness. Then perfumed with the merits of Christ's propitiation, the incense comes up before God, holy and entirely acceptable. Then gracious answers are answered, and that all may see that everything in obedience, in penitence, in praise, and thanksgiving must be placed upon the glowing fire of the righteousness of Christ. The fragrance of this righteousness ascends like a cloud around the mercy seat. You go, okay, pastor, what does that all mean? It means this, even at our best, Jesus still gives his righteousness to us. Even when you are praying, even when you are doing the right thing, even when you step out and you know that you are stepping out in faith and you're doing the right thing, even when you're bringing your very best before the Lord, it still isn't good enough. The only way that it's good enough is because Jesus makes it good enough. So this whole idea of getting your life perfect, impossible. Only by Jesus' blood and his righteousness does God see you as perfect. This is, this is beautiful. So even at your best, even at your best, Jesus still must intercede on our behalf, his righteousness there. Second thing, what does the intercessory ministry mean? It means that Jesus justifies and saves so one, Jesus is helping us. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, all of heaven is united to help us in everyday life. And number two, what does it mean for Jesus to intercede on our behalf? It means that he justifies us and he saves us. When we come humbly to Jesus and confess our sins, he forgives our sins. He accepts us as we are. He identifies with us. He applies to us his merits. He covers us with his righteousness and he saves us what? Completely. Hebrews 7 verse 25. Therefore he is able to save what? Completely or to the uttermost those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. This is the mission of Jesus. He saves us completely those who come to God through him and he lives always lives to intercede for us in other words I just want to make sure that we all understand this this is so important Jesus saves completely all the way 100% completely Jesus saves Jesus identified with us when he took upon himself our human nature, and then particularly when he died for us. What we deserved, he took upon himself. That was punishment for our sins. And what he deserved, he gave freely to us, eternal life. He took what we deserve and gives us what he deserved. And finally, 
Jesus is our intercessor as our Savior. He is applying to us what he accomplished for us on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. What else does it mean? It means that Jesus Christ changes us. There's a transformation that happens. Jesus transforms us into his image by the power of his spirit, his grace, and his word. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being what? transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's a transformation that comes when we behold Christ. We behold the Lamb. And when we behold Jesus as our Savior, as we behold the Lamb, as we follow the Lamb, as we do all these things, Jesus is constantly transforming us from the inside out. Always. And number four, Jesus vindicates us against the accusations of Satan. What is the intercessory ministry of Jesus Christ mean? It means that Jesus is always vindicating us against the accusations of Satan. In Romans chapter 12, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. He was cast down at the cross, by the way. Our accuser has been cast down. And they, that's us, overcome him or overcame him by the what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Jesus Christ personally stands against Satan's accusations. He is the victor and our victory is in him. Jesus stands against our accuser. Do you remember the story of Paul on the road to Damascus? Just finished up approving the stoning of Stephen. He's going to put more people in jail and more people to death. All of the things that Paul's doing. And someone showed up And it said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? What was Paul's response? Who are you, my Lord? And what was the response back? I am Jesus, whom you persecute. In other words, when when the accusations are coming to us from the enemy. Jesus stands in the way and says, don't you dare. Don't you dare touch them. Those are my children. When someone talks behind your back, they're critical. They're upset at you. 
They think that you should be doing better. Oh, wait, this is my life. <laughs> Jesus stands there and says, don't you dare. We have to be careful who we're talking against. Or maybe I should say, don't talk against anyone. <laughs> because when you're talking against someone, especially those of us who are children of God, Jesus says, if you are persecuting him or her, you are persecuting me. When you are being critical of your brother and sister in Christ, you are being critical of Jesus. Be careful who we talk about. Be careful what we say about other people because when we are negative towards them, when we are critical towards them, we are being neg negative and critical towards Jesus. And Jesus stands there and he says, don't you dare. Those are my children. And so Jesus stands against the accusations of Satan he stands against the accusations of men, and he is the victor. Our victory is in Jesus. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us our victory. So what does it mean? It means that Jesus meets with the Heavenly Father to help us in our everyday struggles, with our problems, with our sin, with our temptations, and our selfishness. It means that Jesus justifies and saves us, what? Completely. It means that Jesus changes and transforms us. It means that Jesus vindicates us and protects us against the accusations of Satan. We're left with this image that the enemy is always trying to point and say how bad we are. Consider your servant Job. He's not, is, does he not serve you out of fear, right? The, accu the accuser. Look at, look at Brother Ralph. You think he just serves you because he doesn't fear you? Look at Sister Kay. There's a constant accuser that is out against us all the time. And he tries his best to tempt us. He tries his best to make us feel selfish and self-centered. He makes us feel that we're not good enough. And so we try to overcompensate. We try to get our lives in control and we try to grab everything by ourselves and, and fix it because if I don't, then the enemy's right. But can I remind you of something? Do you remember when Jesus was baptized by John and the dove came out and what did it say? Here is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the very next chapter the enemy, the accuser, the adversary, trying to tempt our, our Savior. And he says, if you are the Son of God. He had just heard, behold my Son. <laughs> 
And now the question goes, if you really are. I want to remind you that you are sons and daughters of the king. And even though the enemy might come and try to tempt you and say, if you are a child of the king, then wouldn't you be doing this? And wouldn't you be doing that? And wouldn't you be better than who you are? Jesus meets with our Heavenly Father to help us in our daily struggles. Jesus justifies and saves us completely. Jesus changes and transforms us. And Jesus vindicates us and protects us against the accusations of Satan. Jesus is always for us, never against us. This is one of the most important truths that you can take away when it comes to the heavenly sanctuary and when it comes to the intercession of Jesus. The Godhead is never, ever, ever against us. But they are always for us. They meet together to fight for you. They meet together to to give you what you need. The Spirit is working in your life. There is a transformation that happens from the inside and changes it all the way to the outside. This is good news. This is one of the biggest truths that we need to grab onto. So remember that last week we know that, that Jesus doesn't have to beg the Father. He already loves us. And now they meet together to do everything they can for us that we may live a life that brings glory and honor to him. We are saved, and we are saved to the uttermost. We are saved completely. There is nothing that we can do, even in our best, when we're praying and we're singing and we're worshiping and we're going to church and we're giving our money and we're giving our time and all that stuff, even in our best. Jesus still, he still wraps it in his righteousness. He does everything he can for us never against us, which leads us to this question. When it comes to the intercession, when it comes to the sanctuary, when it comes to these things, what are the two major myths in Adventism that has been flowing around or floating around for decades? There's probably more than two. (laughs) But there's two big ones when it comes to this that I think is really, really important for us to address and to make sure that we have the truth behind it. So what are the two major myths in Adventism that are floating around for decades? We'll find out next week. (laughs) One step at a time, my friends. Make sure that we are grasping these truths. God loves you. And the Godhead is, is for you, not against you. And they're giving you everything. They're giving me everything. Everything we need is in Jesus Christ. There's a transformation that happens, my friends. And the reason the transformation is important is this. Because oftentimes in our culture, people don't like the whole Christianity thing because they believe that it's just an excuse or an easy way out of the wrongs that we've committed. I hurt someone else. Well, I've gone to Jesus and I have 
I've asked for forgiveness. And so because of that forgiveness, I'm, I'm, I'm good and I don't have to deal with anything. But according to what God really does is as he transforms our heart, this is not a cheap way to get out of something. This will then lead us to go and mend what we can. To, to change. To not just use Jesus as a means of having a clean conscience at the end of the day, but totally transform us that we would be living a life that is totally different than the way we lived before. The transformation that happens in our life, the transformation of the Spirit in our life is what Jesus does in us every single day. So come back next week and let's find out what the enemy has done to try to make us extremely fearful of what Jesus is doing in the heavenly sanctuary and especially at the end of time. Father in heaven, as we as we ponder these thoughts, these truths in your word, I pray that you would write it upon our hearts. That we would recognize that you're not against us, you're for us. You love us. And you've done everything that you can to save us. And so Lord, we just place our hearts we place our lives in your hands and we accept what it is that you're doing for us every day. That you help us, that you save us, you transform us, and you vindicate us. You step in on our behalf that even when the enemy comes and points a finger, and we may have done something foolish, we may have done something selfish, and what he says may even be true. You stand in the way and you say, don't you dare. May we live today and every day knowing that we have a helper, that we have someone who's there for us, not against us. It's walking with us on this narrow path of life that helped us walk through the narrow gate, that helps us to be a shining light, that helps us to be the salt of the earth. It is you that does all these things in us. We thank you, Father. And we receive it, we accept it, and now help us to walk it out in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.